Good morning, everybody. Welcome, RC After Hours, back in the Million Dollar Studio here. Uh, sorry about last week, but we're going to make it up to you. We got some awesome guests today. Should be a great time. Come join us on Facebook Live. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. Sit in with us, hang out, join in on the chat, ask some questions to our guests, which we'll announce here in just a second. So we're going to have a good time. So real quick, let's uh, run down our sponsor, bringing us our guest today. Thanks to Get FPV, they've been behind us for a long time. And they're helping us bring our guests in here. So please go check out GetFPV.com. They have daily deals, free shipping on most orders over $60. And they now, since I know we have lots of international listeners, they now have DHL Shipping International. And the best thing about it is our discount code has been working so well. They dropped the price on it. And you can now just spend $100 and use RC After Hours and receive 10% off your entire order. So go check out GetFPV.com. We thanks, thank those guys for sticking around and helping us out and bringing us our guests, and we'll talk a little bit more about them later because we have guests waiting and we got to bring them in here. So joining us in studio as our always great white hunter, we have Mike Coolins. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and everyone's crazy, crazy... Canadian, he's back finally after a little hiatus. Everybody's favorite. Come in, Andre Russo. Good morning, guys. And we'll put him on the big screen here, real quick. A gentleman, one of our favorite guests of all time. He's back after a long hiatus, and we're excited to have him back on the show. Find out what's going on, what he's been up to, what he's getting into. One of our favorite people, Stuart Warren. Welcome, Stuart. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, morning here. And, of course, the always elusive voice only. (laughs) Uh, But, again, one of our favorite guests on the line from Motion RC, we have Alpha Enos. Welcome, Alpha. Howdy, guys. How are you doing over there? I'm without a body, but other than that, I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, let's jump right into it, Stuart. We haven't talked to you for a long time, uh, so ca- catch us up. Uh, the last time you were just leaving Hobby King and you seemed to disappear off the face of the earth, we didn't even know if you were alive and well, and then boom, you pop up and we realize uh, you're joining forces with Motion RC. But fill us in on what you've been doing, what's happening, and how you're doing. Uh, how I'm doing? Yeah, uh, getting there. Um, what what I have been doing, first of all, I did absolutely need some some family time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've uh, you've heard the story before, but essentially being so far away from the you know our extended family, which you know we get a lot of support from, uh, it was it was quite tough there in Australia. As beautiful as it is, and if you have, if anybody ever gets the opportunity, visit Sydney. It's a, a wonderful city. Um, but uh, yeah, we needed uh, we need to get back to Europe, or we wanted to get back to mm-hmm. Europe, and we did that. And you know, I was. Kicking tires, I think the saying is, uh, for a little while and um, just uh, concentrating on the family. And then um, started speaking with uh, Motion RC and uh, they wanted to be in Europe. I was in Europe and essentially the the rest just worked itself out. Uh, And then since then I've been charged uh, primarily initially 
uh, getting the warehouse up and running, which was a a brand wow, new challenge. That's interesting. I'm not sure what that sound was there. No, I don't either. That's, uh, that's Elfa. Don't <laughs> <laughs> be back up for air. Um, <laughs> so yeah, getting uh, getting this all up and running, which was a new challenge for me. Uh, that is uh, on course. Well, we've been open for a few months now. Uh, going very, very well, and we look forward to it you know, going even better. Uh, and then on the sidelines, uh, working with Alpha to some extent on uh, on some of these amazing projects that have uh, been announced and will be announced as we roll forward, some very, very cool stuff uh, after that. And um, then just getting back into the, the media side of things, uh, you, you would have seen my ugly face on, on uh, YouTube and Facebook a little more frequently of late. And uh, that's just going to continue. So uh, once, once the warehouse is fully established, then I'll be able to roll more into, mm-hmm. into those roles. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you were really pushing hard there them last probably six months or even a year. Uh, did you get kind of burned out? Were you were you really kind of glad to take a break? And, and did you not fly anything or do anything or think about it for a while? Or, or maybe after a couple of weeks, you're like, man, I, I really miss it already. Or how did that uh, I, uh, work out? I, I don't think you can ever really take a break from RC. Mm-hmm. Um, not well, I can't anyway. Um, I mean, we even had a holiday immediately after I left in uh, Brisbane, and I took a little plane along there. Uh, so that that was never going to stop. But um, yeah, I just needed uh, to recoup. Uh, I needed to concentrate on the family um, and uh, just uh, reprioritize a bit there. But it's funny because uh, I hadn't. I got burnt out. What I got burnt out on was foam, actually. And as I came back to Europe and I was able to immerse myself in a in a club again uh, and like you know fly down there on regular occasions and get back into my uh, workshop at the time and see my old projects, I started doing uh, nitro again and mm. I got really got into gas. No um, kidding. So all these things that I wasn't really able to do in the past, um, it, it reignited my uh, passion for those. And, Excellent. um, it's, uh, yeah, I just got, I got buried in foam. So mm-hmm. it was have a break from that, but it's nice. It's been nice to have come back into foam, see how it's evolved now be a part of that evolution. Um, uh, and it's going to be an exciting road ahead. Wow. Um, now with quite that, quite a bit of time off, did, uh, you get some ideas pop in your head or some stuff, you know, that you wanted to try or, or planes that, uh, maybe haven't been done or anything out of the ordinary or something, you know, ideas that you're like, Hey, I, I want to get in with motion and maybe try some different things or different ideas or different planes. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, always thinking about planes. Uh, probably more than I should do. If you ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was actually one of the, the the most exciting things after that bit of a break, just to get with uh, Alpha and mm-hmm. you know, through a lot of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And Alpha, I, I think you'll agree we've we've come up with some gems, right? Yeah, I think there's a few uh, there's a few titanium diamonds in there for sure. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Alpha, I gotta, I gotta ask you. You know, when Stuart uh, decided to leave Hobby King or whatever, was was he someone that you guys had in mind? Like, hey, we really need to need to, you know, get a hold of this guy, or uh, was it just something that you know that came about slowly, or did, you know, did you press hard and said we got, you know, what he's done with Hobby King and some of the 
uh, planes he's developed and, and brought to the table? Were you guys all on board like, we need this guy? Yeah, actually, um, the hobby is a small place, right? I mean, we, we all know each other. We yes. knew Stuart from, from his, from his work at Hobby King and on RC groups. And, and he's a, he's a pillar. We, we all knew, uh, when he left, to be honest though, we really didn't have Europe really on our radar at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were developing it in a, in a, in, um, in a certain sense and, and had sort of these intentions, but we, as Stuart said, it was sort of Providence, how it all ultimately came together. He went off grid and did, it turns out he is with his family, which is, which is great. Um, we're, we're family people. So I get that. And, uh, at the point that we just began to talk, it turned out that we did have this, this, this desire and this need, uh, for someone to spool up our, our warehouse, mm-hmm. uh, in Europe. So, uh, there are a couple other team members which we've brought on in Europe and they've all sort of fallen into to place. So it's one of those happy things. You can make a lot of plans. You can have these good intentions. And, um, but ultimately it sort of comes down to luck, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now that we, we had the opportunity to, to bring Stuart onto the team, obviously it, it made logical sense. And, and, uh, we wanted to make sure that, um, first and foremost, that, like he said, his family and his ability to be there and plug into his family and plug into other aspects of this hobby and stay fresh. Like I yeah. look up to him in the way that he's mature enough to be able to assess that in himself and say, this is what I need. And we're able to say, we can, we can give that to you. You know, we have a European um, <clears throat> footprint now and, and that that'll keep this, this man and his genius busy. And then, yeah, we're, we're obviously working on a couple of things on the side, which I, uh, I think people will. I think people will like. Wouldn't you agree, Stuart? <laughs> very much. <laughs> so, so, so Stuart, uh, the question uh, I guess would be: Was it a new learning process for? Obviously, you know, Motion has how they did their stuff. Your previous company had your stuff, and so was it a rejigging for you, Stuart? I mean, you you were you know brand manager basically for for you know making all these decisions, but now I guess you're you're feeding into a more of a team dynamic. So was that something new for you to learn? Uh, yes, that was a, a, a learning curve, but um, I uh, yeah I took to it, and uh, like I said. Um, it was the new challenge of the of, uh, logistics side of things, um, something I'd never even done before. Um, but I've done it. I'm here. And uh, we've got a great team here at the warehouse and throughout the company, in fact. It's, it's a very, very good team. And um, as much as I was used to working on my own previously, well, not on my own, but uh, you know, essentially being left to my own devices, which was good and bad, let's be honest. I mean, I, I didn't always get it right. Um there's a lot to be uh, gleaned from just the wealth of experience and the wealth of opinions uh, that come from this collaborative uh, effort that is, you know, Motion Motion RC and, and bringing the products products out. It's uh, it's definitely uh, a step in the right direction having uh, a team effort like this. But that said, when when a call needs to be made, um, for the most part, the people that have the most experience uh, are the ones that are that are listened to and it leads us down the right path. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it is different, um, but it's, uh, it's something that I'm enjoying and uh, I'm getting on board with. Cool. cool. Now I'm curious to know uh, how are uh, things going 
over in Europe now. You got the warehouse is is open, and you know, uh, bringing some of these great products over there to these guys. I'm sure there's you know just as passionate people over there as there are here. So I'm curious to know how things are going and and how everybody is a uh, welcoming Motion RC in Europe. Uh, it's it's been a, a very good welcome for the, for the people that for the people that know us. It's uh, been very exciting for them, uh, really really exciting. Uh, we got a comment just the other day that you know uh, there was a customer in the UK. They said something along the lines of, "We've been watching on the sidelines how Motion RC has been stealing the show and you know giving the best experience out in the states, and we've only been able to watch on with envious eyes." And mm-hmm. now he was really grateful that you know that Europeans could experience that same process and uh and experience um and it's great for those for those people the the challenge now and uh, it's a, a challenge that we're definitely rising to is just to it's more awareness it's a publicity drive people that know about us know about us that's great it's the people mm-hmm. that don't know that we need to that we need to uh, get out in front of so we're pushing uh we did some shows um this year as many as we could with uh, the logistical challenges we had of only just being open and opening halfway through the flying season. Uh, we've got different um, people that we're working with, uh, community-sponsored pilots, if you like, uh, and uh, different uh, contributors on social media, such as yourself, but we're also looking uh, for European-based um, uh, contributors, which we've got and we're working with. And it's it's all building up to spreading the message. Um, there's a prime example. I took the... F7F to a recent flying, and Alpha. That how long has that model been out now? The F7F Tiger Cat. Uh, she makes two years and in in a month. Right. Well, for for a lot of people, then in this example, they'd never seen it before and they'd never heard of it. Wow. So we may have uh, what we consider to be um, you know older models. Uh, we've got to remember that to many people, they're they're brand new. So mm-hmm. that's why. We've, uh, go back and do a whole load of uh, new refresh uh, product videos and whatnot on existing uh, products just to, to, just to raise awareness. Uh, yeah. And we'll be working with foreign language uh, contributors as well mm-hmm. um, because we are obviously a, an English-speaking company. Uh, we're very lucky here in the Netherlands because the majority of the uh, population here in the Netherlands and just across the border in Belgium speaks English. But uh, to really get in and uh, saturate those other non-English markets, French, German, we're going to be working with um, native speakers in in those parts too. So that's that's the biggest um, that's the biggest um, what's the word? That's my biggest opportunity. Task. Yeah, opportunity and task. Yeah, it's yeah. Always, everything. Every challenge is an opportunity, and uh, we've got some amazing opportunities too. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious to know is it is it too early to be able to tell what what are some of your big sellers? What's flying off the shelves over there in Europe? Uh, well, Spitfire is obviously. Uh, <laughs> should I should have known? Why did? <laughs> we have enough. Spitfire, yeah, uh, which is true because yeah. we, we really need more. We keep selling out. Um, <laughs> and uh, the uh, the two six two, the actually mm. the two had a surprising knock on effect of the original scheme. Um, nice. And got people that put them they put their name down for a notification when it comes back into stock, which will be uh, uh, pretty soon. Um, very, very popular, that one. Wow. The little 64 mil jets, the uh, Lippish especially. Mm-hmm. This is something that Alpha and, and Mark and everyone else and I discussed before we opened. We was curious as to what would be popular, and the assumption would be that the European birds would be more popular. And 
to some extent that, that that's proven to be the case. That said, the the F sixteen uh, is, is another. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Wow. It's. Uh, I think just because it's so much in, in in a great package at a great price point, um, yeah. it's actually similar to the the BA Hawk in that respect. Both similar size or same size models and similar specs. Um, but of course, the Hawk is outselling the uh, the F sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's no real there's no real duds here. Everything is selling. Obviously, some more so than others, and it turns out to be European birds. That's why I think uh, with the new announcement, um, Alpha, we we had the L thirty nine in mind, really with with Europe in mind, right? Yeah, the the Hawk and the L thirty nine were really our love letters to our European customer base, mm-hmm. recognizing that the, those aircraft are obviously operators as trainers around the world. But notwithstanding having a, a European aircraft in a European scheme at the time that we're expanding our European effort. Uh, with a grace, uh, with a grass-capable aircraft at the price point, and even in in, in the minutia of size and transportability, we, in talking with Stuart and, and how that customer prefers his aircraft, the L39 just fit all of those things, which is why we really uh, uh, expedited its um, its development. And uh, and so far, I think that's working. So yeah, talk go, talk us through the collaboration because that's what we really yes, want to know about. Yes, you know? Alpha yes. and Stuart yeah. working together. How did that go? <laughs> I think it goes pretty well. <laughs> um, so as Stuart mentioned, he's his primary task is he leads our our European expansion effort that that really centers on having the product and making sure that as as he said, the, the experience of our customers in Europe are the same as our customers in the United States. Um, that, that level should be indistinguishable. So ensuring that that happens, that the products are there. And then obviously one thing we love about Stuart is, is he's got a, he's got a pretty good face. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's debatable. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 I'll say pretty good. He's really great at, I think, communicating and putting across, whether it's in a video or, or any other medium, the excitement of product while still being genuine. I, I think that the, probably Stuart's biggest appeal uh, to me and what I had sort of learned from him in observation over the years, even if at, a, at an arm's length, was was integrity. Um, so I'm probably veering off of your your question of how do we collaborate, but it really begins and begins and ends with the person behind um, on the other side of that table. When he and I communicate of what, how are we going to move our mission forward? Uh, the beauty is it is not constrained to what airplane are we going to make? Because I think we've evolved. We we understand that. The next airplane, whatever that next thing is, or the next two airplanes, or the next 50 airplanes, mm-hmm. in and of themselves, the products will not save, will not expand this hobby. The people will. The experience of, of the people will. And so he and I interface best when we're talking about, yes, we're talking about what plane are we going to make next and why. And he has great insights as to our customers in Europe and, and, and really worldwide. Um, and I have my certain, my insights and my experience on the production level, mm-hmm. but we meet eye to eye on, on why are we making this next thing? 
why is it going to be at that price point versus the other price point? Why should it be a big one versus a small one? Um, when should it come out? Well, because our customers, our customers here want this and really trying to, um, really trying to coalesce around the idea of what do people want? What do they need? What do they not yet realize they want? And can we deliver that in a, in a quick and efficient manner? So, so that's really, I think the root of our collaboration, Stuart came, um, um, to the United States and, and visited with our, with our people there. And, and I think all of us would agree that it starts with the people. Yeah. Um, it does. And, um, actually what you were talking about, the team, uh, collaboration and working together as a team, what you said there earlier. Um, and then also, uh, a discussion Alpha and I had, you asked about how we work together and Alpha, you remember this conversation. We, um, we actually complement each other very well because, you know, where one of us might be not weak, but, you know, not as strong, uh, the other one is stronger. So Alpha yeah. is exceptional uh, engineer and, uh, you know, designer and uh, tester of, of aircraft and whatever whatever terminology you want to, you want to use there. Um, but he, uh, as you can see, he's a bit camera shy. And, <laughs> You've got the pretty face. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I, I, it works well together because I work uh, better on the marketing side of things. Uh, although I've developed models and you know, great fun doing that, um, I don't need to be at the um, at the factory uh, at this point. And that's that's where Alpha is. So we we fill in those voids complementary uh, com- complementarily. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, very, very well. And <clears throat> the team effort, it makes for amazing results, again, as you guys will see as we go forward. Mm. Nice. I, I have a quick question. I'm curious to know if you two, I mean, Stuart and Alpha, uh, when you started collaborating on plane ideas or maybe what's next, were you in the same ballpark or were you guys like, Stuart wanted this, Alpha wanted this, and they're like, ah, I don't, you know, and it had to come to some kind of compromise, or were you guys kind of on the same page and had the same maybe ideas on what's what we should do next? Um, um go on, Alpha. I don't know. What do you think, Stuart? Well, I, I just remember that we just had a like a mental list of, of, of projects, and it seemed that for the most part we had the same ideas, <laughs> and then Alpha would have some that were that I thought were awful and vice versa. He'd, he'd have ones that say, no, no, sure, I'm never doing that. I'm, like, yeah. I'm never making a ferry. Yeah. I'm never making a ferry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hanley Page Hampton. Really want one of those. No. Um, but yeah, for the most part, actually, Alpha, I think uh, we were quite surprised just how many ideas we shared, right? Yeah, I think what happened, I think initially in those, in that first month or so, um, it was an open question. And if, by the way, if there were a chasms in, in what we thought individually should happen, that's actually a good thing too. Uh, a difference opinion is, is never a bad thing if either opinion or if both opinions are both informed ones. And so we came into this totally prepared that if he felt very strongly that what he had seen in his experience and his assessment of the market and of our customer and family that they wanted X. I felt strongly in my assessment that they wanted Y. Um, there's no harm done. We'll just make both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what we like to yeah, hear. We turned, out, yeah. Yeah, we, we turned out finding is that in fact, 
and, and this is also positive in a, in a different sort of way that, like he said, our, our ideas sort of ran parallel. Um, so we're wary always of confirmation bias. You know, neither of us and no one on our on our teams only want to hear what what told back to us what we believe. Um, that that's never helpful. But I think we've we come to it again. The people here in our team have the attitude that we're going to make informed assessments and they're going to be heard, and we're, from there we're going to put a plan together. So I think for now, because we're just really getting started. Uh, it's it's difficult without being without seeming a little guarded about what's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who know me know I I don't I don't like to. We don't need to overhype things to come. We can slow play things, and when they come, they come. When the cookies are baked, the cookies are baked. But I but I can say that um, for your listeners out there who are aware of Stewart and his contributions, and are aware of sort of what Motion RC has done to uh, to date. Just mix those two and imagine, and um, it should put a smile on your face. We, we're really confident with what we've got coming down the pipe in the next year, two, three years, and our and our longer term plans of growth. And I think um, I think the hobby will benefit, which is the only reason that we're here anyway. Uh, we got a good qu- question from Christopher uh, Breams. He's one of our loyal listeners here. He wanted to know. Obviously, Motion's really well known for their warbirds or military aircraft. You wanted to know if you guys might be working on any civil aviation models. I see a smile on Stuart's face. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm, I'm in warehouse mode, so Alpha uh, will have to take that question. I would say, um, first off, thanks for listening. And I would say, so the difficulty, I've said this on Hobby Squawk in the past in the forums, um, the difficulty with civil aircraft is that I think we all love them, um, but licensing is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone who's listening, if you work at a licensing office, um, give me a call and give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's difficult to depict aircraft in, in that sort of regard. Um, I'll say that what we're known for at say flight line and, and free wing and, and even in our other collaborations is we really, we really make a point to call the aircraft what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, our recent uh, release of the, of, of the, of the ghost gray F4, you know, it isn't because if we think the color's cool, it's because we think the two pilots, General Stalder and Hoot Gibson are giants of aviation and should be talked about. Like there needs to be a story behind these aircraft. And mm-hmm. I, if I can't call it what it is um, and need to hide behind some fake name, it's really difficult for us to make that leap. Um, so I'll say that, uh, yeah, I'll say that we always want to make what people want. If mm-hmm. people can, uh, can jump on Squawk and let us know what you want, it always helps us again, Colors are calculus as to which aircraft are worth the investment in licensing. We're very proud to be, as an example, um, Northrop Grumman's official licensee for for model aircraft. Um, That obviously is a cost that that we bear so that we can say that F-14, that F-7F Tiger Cat, as Stuart mentioned before, those are officially licensed aircraft. I'm not going to call it the twin blue engine torpedo wonder. want to call it a tiger cat. I want to say that's 
drum and bird. I want to tell that story. Um, but there are sometimes there are walls to being able to tell those stories with uh, with GA or general aviation aircraft. So. Hmm. I don't I don't know Alpha how much you could really tell us as as far as the licensing fees, but does that add quite a bit to the cost or is it pretty minimal? It's a lot. <laughs> no kidding. All I'll, all I'll say is it's it's a lot. Um yeah, it's it's a lot. <coughs> so in in our assessments we've talked about this in the past, um on on Squawk, there's uh, Tom, one of our co owners, has weighed in on the on the subject as well. Uh, when it comes to licensing, the, those sorts of things. Ultimately, it's a value proposition, right? The reason why we fly what we fly is because we like it and we can afford it. Um, <laughs> uh, so keeping that value proposition high and keeping that that calculus positive for our customers always the primary concern. We talked, I think our first podcast over a year now, we talked about scale. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm a super scale fidelity guy. I can I can knock out a, a absolutely scale aircraft, but, but most people are going to pay the nose, have to pay through the nose for it, and uh, most people won't. So that mm-hmm. that assessment will will tank this company, and that's not what we're, what we're about. Not about making things that are out of the reach of our customers. It has to work. It has to. Um, be something that they'll jump into. And so, again, to your question, the costs are just exorbitantly high hmm. uh, from, the, from the development, from from licensing, and from all those sorts of things. Um, we've said again before, no one's getting rich in this business. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, is a, it, it is a passion place. I know it sounds cliche, but it's absolutely true. Um, this isn't this hobby is is not as large as we want it to be. It's not as large as we believe it can be. It's not as 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 uh, as alive as I think it should be. But all that really begins with is the product something that's accessible that people will buy into, and mm-hmm. and all of that again, it's it's fundamentally cost. It f- cost is consistently the driver between the why people buy something. Period. Interesting. Yeah, so the odds of producing that that clone airplane, but not in the same scheme and everything. Yeah, someone's gonna go. That's not quite what I was looking for. Yeah, you're yeah, I'd rather this someone effort. else do it. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> if someone else wants to copy someone and go that side-handed way, that's up to them. But, but we really believe in telling the story behind the the aircraft and the men and women who operate and created them and serviced them and mm-hmm. fought in them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Stuart, I forgot to ask you earlier. I had it wrote in my notes here. Um, with all your time off, um, obviously, I know you were very, you know, observant on what was going on and, and some of the products these other companies were putting out. Was there anything in that time period that, you know, whether it be uh, a plane or something that they've done in production or whatever that uh, caught your eye or you th- were impressed by? Um, not, not that I was impressed by, um, but, uh, like I said at the beginning, I kind of, um, I took a step back from, from the industry as, as we know it, especially foam aircraft Mm -hmm. and, uh, what was catching my eye were just all the old kits that I could buy secondhand on, on eBay and stuff like that. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, you know, we're getting great bargains. Like I got a a really nice one, a third scale Bolsa USA super cub. Wow. So, um. For a very good price, 
So I was really just getting into that, and uh, I kept an eye, obviously, but nothing came out that surprised me in a uh, in like, oh wow, you know, this is a, a game changer, or, or, or really caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice that uh, we, we're seeing it a bit more now, yeah, from ourselves and from others. But uh, as I've always said, competition is the best thing in yes. this industry, and the absolutely. The better everyone's uh, going to get, and the better experience the customers are going to have. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. I'm going to change gears here a little bit. Um, I know Stuart, we don't have you for a whole lot longer, so let, let's jump in a little bit to the uh, L39. Let's talk about it. I'm going to pull up some specs here real quick of it, and we'll talk about you know how this got started. Um, let's see. L39 Albatross is a 80 millimeter EDF jet from Freewing. Sport Jet Performance and Scale Jet Package flies smooth and rock solid as our popular Avanti S. Grass-ready, shock-absorbing oleo struts and electric retracts, plastic line canopy to prevent bubbling or gatoring, large cabin, easy access battery and receiver, new multifunction control box for better wire organization, uh, requires six-channel radio minimum, six-channel receiver, and as most of these large jets we were running on a six cell 4000 or up to a 5000 with an EC5 connector. So we got uh, wingspan 41.5 inches, length is 53.2. I should read the millimeters for us. Uh, 1054 millimeters in the wingspan, weight 77.6 ounces or 2200 grams. Power system is a 3530-1850 brushless outrunner motor, 100-amp 100 speed controller, 80-millimeter 12-blade EDF. Uh, of course, you got your 9-gram standard digital metal gear servos. Uh, so whoever wants to jump in first, talk about how this got started, why why the L39. I know you briefly touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, the livery scheme, and you know, just talk about how this plane came about. Well, after this goes back to what we said before about aircraft that we were both interested in, right? Yeah, we we both keyed in on an L thirty nine, the MiG twenty one, which makes surprisingly that aircraft makes three years old um, in a couple months here. Uh, that was a real big hit for us. It it was it was an ex, it was a reach at the time uh, because it was it was the first eighty millimeter aircraft. By then, there had been five previous all American birds. It was the first non-US uh, aircraft in that series. And we, we really believe that people would love it. Um, and, and thanks to them, they did. So that really reinforced that, as Stuart has mentioned, the world is much larger, the RC world is much larger than, than the 48 states. Uh, there, there's a customer family out there uh, sort of calling out for, for aircraft that, that they recognize in their childhoods. The L39 was an easy fit. Uh, Stuart came to, to me with, with that idea. Uh, we had, we had storyboarded one fairly quickly and, and just put everything together. The success of the Avanti, which is also almost two years old now, amazing how time flies also reinforced the year after the MiG 21, that not only would people like sort of off the cuff aircraft, uh, or, or that there is a market for non us, but that they really liked how sport jets flew. Mm-hmm. They liked that. Price point for 80s. They like yeah. the size. It's the size of a 90, but it's the price of an 80. Um, 
it's lighter wing loaded and there's there's some sportiness to it it's not just a it's a good. flat straight line uh, over overloaded uh, aircraft so the l39 was that natural fit that again the nexus of european grass capable uh sport so that the byline for this for this aircraft is sport jet performance in a scale jet package well we could hit the price point hit the size there's some pictures we sent over to you guys showing it's it's as big as our 90 millimeter $500 aircraft. Um, and yet it's economical and, and, and has all those things to go for it. So mm-hmm. it's it frankly sort of, it was really sort of obvious. We also had the benefit of working with, with Robert Hood Gibson, a customer of ours, former U S astronaut. So shout out to him and his wife, Ree, also an astronaut and who Gibson raced three L 39s at Reno. And so we were able to sort of collaborate with him, which is why the L-39 was called Project Hoot uh, internally in his honor uh, to to work through the idea of a, again, a, a scale jet that had sport jet characteristics. Ah. That sweet jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's pretty the best thing about it. It's it's such a, a crossover. Um, you can fly it as scale as you like and it flies it beautifully. It's, it's silky smooth. Um, but if you want to open the taps a bit and uh, throw it around, it will, you know, oblige happily. Um, it's actually one of the best knife edging aircraft, whether it be proper. Oh my gosh! In a while, just keeps going and going and going, and with very little coupling. Uh, it's got bags of power for big, big loops and mm-hmm. uh, bunts and uh, everything like that. Um, but it feels rock solid for, uh, throughout that speed range. And um, I've, fl- I've flown the Avanti, and I, I think. It feels like it flies better, but I don't know if that's my personal bias to scale models getting in the way. Um, <laughs> it's the bias. <buyer>. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're essentially, uh, you know, as well designed as, as each other. Um, as, and, uh, you know, same setup and whatnot. Um, but I love that size. Really, really good size. Yeah. It's, it's convenient. It's transportable. It's economical. Um, and you just get that much longer flight times. Uh, I mean, even on the 5,000, I'm pushing four minutes you know with mixed nice. um nice. and it will fit a bigger pack in there um we've uh, we had uh, our cameraman down here in amsterdam he uh he flies at the local club and he was using some of his own packs there were even up to a six thousand and um and there was still bags of room in there and it took the weight and he got a you know a, extra minute out of that and we was actually uh, that was a uh field last week because we've had some very very strong winds here and I wanted to demonstrate just how well it handles in wind. And these winds were like uh, 30 to 40 kilometers an hour, which is, I think, around 25 miles an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a champ. Um, it was really fun to fly. Typically, we're always wanting the wind to be you know, as little as possible. But I was actually really looking forward to a, a windy day just so I could play around with it. It's, it's so confidence-inspiring uh, that you're not afraid to go out and push boundaries, even in extreme weather like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, it was a pussycat. So, uh, one of those full flaps in kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it would do it, and you know, it was kind of hovering there a bit, and which was a unique <laughs> experience for me. And it did it really well. And also, the other thing um, with with Europe, the most most people here fly off grass. Yes, and uh, you've probably been used to seeing with previous promotions and videos and whatnot almost exclusively from the u.s off of tarmac and paid runways and whatnot so um we really like to you know one of the advantages of having operations in both the u.s and uh, europe now is that we can really uh show uh 
just how well it operates on a broad uh, set of surfaces. The next one for me to try is sand. I want to try an EDF on sand. On sand? Wow, like off the beach. Oh, that poor intake. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She's a trooper. Um, (laughs) But the overload and the struts and everything else, they they hold up very, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And the great thing about the L39 uh, is also that um, ability to – uh, be treated as I've said before in, in the past as a blank canvas. There are so many schemes out there, not just European ones, but in civilian hands. Um, Alpha talked about um, who gives them flying it at Reno. If you just look at Reno, the amount of L39s that fly in that class, <laughs> the amount of schemes there, it's did incredible. See, and that's why the collision. Really yeah, I did. Oh, I did yeah. <laughs> Thank wow. Okay. Right. I mean, speak, speaking of collisions, uh, I had a <laughs> with the warehouse floor. Um, this is the box of the L39. Oh, oh is, that breaks my heart. This is the shiny new production one that Alpha sent me for the final bit of photography. It's oh, still welcome. if you look at the center part. But um, our storage at the moment, we have racking, so it was right at the top. Oh, I, was trying to, I was being lazy. I should have got steps. And it fell down and it hit every racking roll on the way oh, down. Oh, but yeah. I'll, so for the listeners who can't see this, basically it's a brand new L39 with a crushed in nose. We see the front landing gear, both wingtip da- are damaged, the, the vertical stabilizer's damaged, the elevator's damaged. Wow. But, but, um, but in all parts, let's think, all bits are easily replaced. So Alpha yeah. is very and pops them in the post. I've got an event, we're flying down at uh, Pampa next weekend for uh, their end of September flying. And we'll be flying this one along with the pre-production one and doing some tan flights. So it will all be good to go. And um, this model, as with all the rest of them, uh, for the most part, uh, all the parts are uh, replaceable in terms of, you know, they all screw together. So yeah. it's uh, it's actually a fix. It's just an unfortunate break and, you know, very frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> man. So, so, and so, I know it's get spare parts, so that worked out all right. Yeah, you've got a source. I was going to say, and then and then we, we, we watched the 626 video recently where <laughs> the plane got a little wet. Yeah. We got to hear that story for sure. It's, it's, oh, he did take a hiatus, so we're giving him a little bit of a, you know. It's, uh, it's all about pushing boundaries. Um, I've been experimenting with flight times, and I... I had neglected, on the previous flight, I came in dead stick, uh, hit LVC, and I was like, oh, I should, I should probably reduce my timer by you know, 20 or 30 seconds. And I didn't. Oh. And um, <laughs> I was coming around, and I was like, oh, gears down, flaps down, oh, this is going to be a sweet touchdown. And then I was adding more throttle, but I was slowing down. I was like, okay, this is how it should And uh, actually, by the time I was coming in, my, my throttle was wide open, but I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right, well, I'm going to pancake. So I brought the gear up, brought the fl- uh, flaps up, and you know, just let it come down and flared as much as I could. Um, and if you see on the onboard video, it touched down perfectly on the on the the weak yep. stubble, and then it just happened with the inertia of it to just tumble over oh, the water right into the drain. Yeah, yeah. and um, I remember I must have thought, oh, maybe I didn't retract the gear, so I flicked the switch again, and then like, the gear came down in the water. Oh. <laughs> Over those in the cells, they're like big uh, gondolas, I guess you could call them. And um, it just floated quite happily. I took my shorts off and waded in. I thought, oh, this isn't so deep. And then I, I took another step and I went up to my chest. You did dive in there like a camp, Stuart. That, uh, that was pretty. Uh, and, that, that, and that water stinks. You know, <laughs> that really stinks. It's like black. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> 
And then it was a very hot day, uh, so I pulled it out. There was a little bit of water in the battery bay. The ESCs, because they're up in the wing, they mm-hmm. actually hadn't got wet at all. So uh, I turned it, drained it off, turned it off, I drained it out, turned it off, turned it over and baked it in the sun for half an hour. And then, then the final landing you see in that video was after that. Uh, wow. Nice. So it was, a, it was a real trooper. But um, for scale flying in terms of EDFs, the 262 is uh, the sweetest. It's it's that, so, so smooth. That, I, yes. I can fly it like a Spitfire and then it's World War II, which I like, and it's got a lot of history, especially flying here over in Europe. Um, it's 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 beautiful. It's, uh, it's a very charming EDF to fly, and I, I don't think you really hear the word charming in EDF in the same sentence, but um, it's a really, really nice one. And, and with that scheme, it just, it just finishes it off nicely. Alpha actually... Uh, he made me. He pointed out that the original scheme was a scale scheme. It was just a very unusual one. Um, just unfortunately, they chose the, the most, you know, hideous the most scheme. Ray of yeah. Yeah. So you can, yeah. in my opinion. But now uh, we really nailed it, and it looks very, very good. I I know if I if I had the option, yeah, I could I could you know decimate my hobby fund in my wallet in yes. like three seconds flat between the l39 and the 262 those every time they come out poor alpha gets you know all of a sudden i'm like oh they look so good so yeah we'll have to decide. it sounds like they need they to do, do an edf with pontoons something something i can fly off the snow in the winter with right? yeah right the uh with the new power <laughs> stress, excuse me Mm-hmm. It's great for touch and goes. If you got a nice mm-hmm. uh, level surface, just I'm constantly touch and going just on the uh, the bottom I'm, of the uh, on the skids. Really? Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> that I would love to see. Love yeah, to see. Uh, Andre, Andre, and I've had numerous conversations about that two six two. Like that is probably one of our absolute favorite looking, you know, uh, and just favorite airplanes yeah. in general. Oh, that thing is so good. Yeah, it's uh, been. I was so pleased that when I found out about the, the new scheme because mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the new, you know, the new power system really helped. It was interesting. I was at a Warbird event a few weeks ago, and one of the original V1s was flying. And it was like he was flying on 4S and I was on 6S. It was crazy. But he was on 6S. It was just yeah. the old power system. Uh-huh. And, it, and it really turned it around. Yeah. So it's a lot of life left in that model, and it's a fantastic media. Mm-hmm. And, and Alpha, i got to give you some props, too, on the um – you know, the, the retracts that you guys have been coming out with, uh, you know, again, one of our biggest things, why we don't fly jets too much is because we don't have a nice long paved runway, but now watching a lot of these videos and even Andre, um, uh, you know, doing the takeoff and landings in the, in the gravel and the videos you guys are now putting out with these jets taking off on these rough graph fields. It's, it's given us a little more hope here at the RC after hours field that, you know, hopefully sometime soon we can get a couple of these jets and try them out. Cause, uh, and I think, you know, looking at, you know, with the suspension and everything that the, these jets are coming around and, and, you know, opens up the, the horizon, I think, for other pilots that don't have a nice, smooth, you know, paved runway. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it comes back to usability, right? If it can look cool, but if people can't, if they're not going to be comfortable flying it where they have access to a field, they're, they're not going to get into that aircraft. Yes. So I think it's important. The wing loading plays a lot in there as well. We try to keep the aircraft light enough too light and especially for jets they don't really penetrate they 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 feel sort of floaty in the in in the wrong ways um 
but obviously too heavy and your landing speed goes up, then your, your forces on impact go up and, and it just compounds things. So finding that balance is something we don't always get right, but we, we try to think about it a lot in development. I think the L39, like Stuart said, um, it, like the Avanti, hits that sweet spot. Not, not too fast, not too slow, not too bouncy, um, not, too, not too wiggly, but, but, but confidently locked in. Sure. Right. Um, uh, Stuart, I know you got to go. I don't want to keep you or hold you too long, but man, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, seeing what you've been doing, what's going on. It's great to hear from you. Great to talk to you uh, here on the RC After Hours podcast. And you're more than welcome to come back, as you know, anytime uh, you get some uh, some more crash stories or some new plane or whatever you want to talk yeah. about. You're more than welcome. I'll, I'll always have those. Don't worry. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> we don't. Average. Yeah. So we definitely appreciate you coming uh, back on the podcast, hanging out with us, even though it was only for an hour and it went fast. Yeah. Good. Good talking yeah, to you. So. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, having me on again. And, yes. uh, it's been a pleasure, a real pleasure. I'm just sorry that uh, it couldn't be any longer. But hey, um, we we got some family commitments that I, I need to stick mm-hmm. to. So. I don't want to stick to, to <laughs> No problem. It was good to hear from Just you. And we will definitely, definitely be talking to you soon. So it's great, uh, great thank you. hearing from you again. Yep. All right, gents. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. And, um, well, I'll leave you in capable hands of Alpha. Yes. Thank you, gents. I'll call right. you about the fairy Gannett in a few minutes when I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, um, that, that <laughs> Wyvern thing that we want to do. Yeah, right? the Wyvern and the yeah, Sea Dart, too. That one, too. We'll yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, oh, Alpha, we're live. Damn it. <laughs> oh, no, we're live. Oh, no. Uh, uh, see you later. I listen to this show. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care, Bye. buddy. Bye. Thank you. There you have it. Stuart uh, joining us for a good hour. It was good talking to him, Andre. We haven't talked to him for a long, long time. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, Stuart's a good guy. There he goes. He good father. Up. Good family. He's pointing at you here. Um, yeah. Alpha, a couple, couple more questions have, have popped up here. One of them, again, uh, and it's actually a really good question that I have been thinking about a lot and have been meaning to ask you, and again, it's from Christopher Breams. Uh, we, we've talked numerous times on our podcast of how you know we like to see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, and sometimes that's the big pushing point on whether you know we purchase an airplane and a lot of our listeners are the same way. Is there anything down the road that you guys might be selling to local or selling your products in local hobby shops? Oh, that's a really great question, Chris. Um, that's a really great question. So I'm assuming Chris is in the state. Our strategies are different depending on, on where we're operating right now. Um, I'll say that it, it comes down. It has always been since day one and continues to come down in every day-to-day decision. Um, service. The, the service reputation, it has to match. Um, mm-hmm. It has to match. It, it just has to match, period. So I think a lot of our trepidation over the years in in uh, in working with, with brick-and-mortar dealers is we don't we, – we have zero control over that service. Mm-hmm. Ocean RC sort of has a unique – we have a unique – I'll call it odd um, – sort of position in the market. We are, we're a reseller. We're a distributor. Um, right. We sell Horizon Hobby. We sell Dynam. We sell FMS and yes. RunCam. And we sell a, a, a wide range of products. We have over 8,000 products on the website. 
Um, those products are available in hobby stores. Those products are available online. Those products are available from other dealers. The same it is with brands such as Freewing and Flightline. Um, we have a bit of a unique relationship though, with some of our partners, Freewing being the most prominent in that, uh, in that I, I'm speaking to y'all from China. Yeah, uh, I know. I live here. You know, I, I was at Freewing's office two, three hours ago. So, so we're, we are in place trying to drive the innovation of these products at the back of the paper napkin level, all the way to when it arrives at a customer's doorstep. Now, when our good friend Raymond or Philip at PWRC when, or RC Castle, when those dealers get a hold of these, again, free wing products, um, they benefit from those innovations that, that we, my team, I have put into these aircraft. And we think that that's a great thing. <laughs> We're actually not in this to, to monopolize and be the only ones to, to, to sell these products. Um, we, we want, as Stuart importantly said, we want that competition. We want and invite uh, those other eyes, those other perspectives. We want uh, to engage those wider markets. You know, I don't have a base of operations in Taiwan. FNRC is in Taiwan. They're a great dealer. They can service those customers with products that we know are excellent, and that and that's great. Um, when when it comes to places like in the states, we feel our 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 data has suggested that. We're able to service those customers, frankly, better than anyone. Um, we have customer support and we have technicians in every continental time zone. Um, these guys average average at least 10 years of service, uh, uh, sorry, of, 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 of flying. Um, a few of them are military veterans, which, which we greatly respect. Some of our guys have 40 years of RC flying experience. Um, wow. It, when it comes to, I, I hope maybe Chris, if you're listening, I hope you could maybe try to understand. Um, I, <laughs> we take these aircraft, they're our babies. They really are. Mm-hmm. We, I, I sketched that L39 on, on a, on a notepad that's less than a meter from me right now. Um, and now we see it out in the world. So we're very protective, I think is the best word for it. Um, we're very protective as to, who is able to sell those products uh, because we want to make sure absolutely there's an advantage in walking into a hobby store and saying, can I open the box and take a look at that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but when I walk in and say, can I see that? That's not the only question, right? I'm also asking, how does it fly compared to this? How does it fly compared to that? How fast does it go? What battery do I need? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you compare it's, it's, uh, it's service life of the retracts with other uh, retracts. Um, where do I get the spare parts? All of those longer conversations, um, those in-depth conversations, um, are conversations our people can have with customers because they're talking to the team who made it because that team is us. Um, we've been wary to really engage too many dealers and grow too fast, too big because we're concerned that that service level that, that the quality and accuracy of that information, the availability of those spare parts won't meet with what we know we can currently deliver in our current construct. And we can, people can order, you jump on that website right now. It's Sunday morning over there. Mm-hmm. It's going to ship out tomorrow. Yeah. You know, you can call on a Tuesday afternoon. It's going to ship out Wednesday morning. You can call on a Wednesday morning or place an order. 
probably going to ship out that same day right? and get to you within two to five days. It's just difficult to, to match that, uh, the delivery side of the product. Plus again, the after sale service, I think, um, in, in doing our sort of, uh, assessments or our analyses of how the market, how the dealer model worked, uh, maybe five, 10 years ago versus how consumers are wanting to engage us and buy product these days, it's different. Um, there will always be a place and there will always be an advantage of seeing an aircraft up front. It's just the numbers don't work out where we, where we proliferate these into hobby stores all over, all over the country or all over the world for that matter. Yeah. Um, increasing the majority of customers are engaging us online. They're looking at YouTube and all that sort of stuff. Now I think Chris's point, his underlying point is a good one. And, and, and it really underscores what I think a lot of our customers uh, and me myself uh, want is that we want to see the plane. Um, yeah. So, so because we can't for many a, technicalities really push into dealer markets. Uh, it's the next best thing, or in fact, even better is events. So yes, the advantage of Stuart though, he jumped off the call it was, with Stuart and James, we're able to really, uh, multiply, uh, multiply our media effort, um, with Mike and with Ryan and now with James and with Stuart and his, Stuart sort of his insights and James editing ability and now initiatives that, for example, uh, James Roshitz, our marketing manager has released earlier this summer involving, um, face, Facebook groups and media groups. We've solicited people for uh, pictures of them with their airplanes, videos of them, and really promoting the people behind uh, the aircraft, the customers themselves. And also in addition, reaching out to, to fields and CDs who are having events. We're going to be at NAL this week. In fact, James is probably listening to this right now, sitting in traffic on his way down <laughs> to NAL. Um, but, but being at events where people are going to be, I think that's our current strategy. We want to meet the customer where they're at. And that's most often these days, it's, it's at the flying field. Whether it's a big event like NAL or, or, or medium-sized events, up-and-coming events, EDF Jet Jam, a, Orbids over Grapevine, St. George, AEF in Arizona, um, even down to just, hey, it's the local standard Saturday at my club. Can you guys show up? Can you send a donation? Can we talk about your product? I think that's what we're more, that's what's more fun to us. You know, we want to be there. We want to be sort of the shepherds of, of that, um, of that proselyting. That makes sense. Uh, I got kind of a tough question for you. Uh, our listeners are on it here, and some of them have noticed that uh, you sell Horizon products, but not all of them. Like, uh, obviously, uh, is there a reason behind why it's just certain ones? Yeah, um, definitely. I think uh, it's a fair – I wouldn't say that's a hard question. It's a fair observation. Since mm-hmm. day one, um, I would say – people probably don't realize this. We don't sell every freewing product that freewing makes. Oh, I uh, we don't sell that. every dynam product that dynam makes. In uh-huh. fact, none of our, none of our partners, none of the brands on our website, we don't sell the totality of any of their products. Hmm. Um, so it isn't for, for your listeners. It's not just a horizon thing, guys. This is, it's freewing. It's, it's, it's everyone. Um, and the reason why the, the primary driving reason why that is, is, um, I'd say rather it's two things. 
the first being um, the first being our individual assessment of a given aircraft. Um, there's a free wing aircraft. Uh, I won't name it, but I don't like it. Ah. <laughs> I don't like it. It's um, our customers haven't really taken a shine to it mm-hmm. uh, in years past. Um, it isn't well supported. It's engineering isn't sort of up to the modern standard. Uh, and though it is still available by Freewing, I still could technically order one. And some of the other dealers in the world do because for their markets, it is, you know, it fits, which is great, great for them. For our markets, it, it doesn't fit. And so we, we just don't sell it. Dynam is the same thing. They have a couple of products. I would, I would pick up like their, uh, they have an SR22, which for the first couple of years we didn't sell. Um, we, we weren't really happy with the, the nose strut on it. There had been reports before we began to sell Dynam that that strut wasn't very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dynam made some improvements to that strut. And so we sold the aircraft. We sell it today. Um, but that is an, but that is a process just because we don't have something on the website now doesn't mean we're not evaluating it in the background to see if we can, if it'll sort of meet those requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because something's on the website now doesn't mean that we may not pull it back if it ever fails to meet those requirements. Mm-hmm. I think this, it all comes back to anyone listening. Our primary concern, our primary wheelhouse of concerns is, is again, service. Um, I need to be able to know that I can get parts for that aircraft, uh, that it won't be discontinued suddenly, uh, that I can, <laughs> Uh, that I can have a, a stable, reliable supply of that aircraft or of that product, not just about airplanes. Um, if any, and, and obviously the product itself needs to withstand our sort of individual tests. Um, there are many aircraft which meet many of those criteria, but not all. And if and when an air, if and until an aircraft meets all, uh, we don't carry it. Wow. Now, I would say this, this we we stand on that. There are a lot of great yeah. aircraft out there. We don't sell. If just because we don't sell it, guys, doesn't mean it's not. It may not be good for you. Check yeah. it out. Do yeah. your homework. If you like it, buy it. There are many great vendors. Fantastic. Right. But but our sort of internal checks, it, it needs to match a very stringent criteria, and it's it's as it should be. It's much deeper um, than does it look cool. How much is it? Um, you know, we, we, we have to, we have to do a deeper assessment and we do. Uh, the second facet in, in that, in that sort of decision, whether what we're going to be carrying, it's competitive. Um, we, we look at an aircraft and we want to, we want to see, is this an aircraft that'll be competitive in the market? Mm -hmm. Now to us, competition is a good thing. Uh, competitive to me means, is that an aircraft that is going to offer someone if they were to compare it with two or three other similar ones, is that aircraft going to say something unique? Does it offer something special? Does it, does it provide something in our portfolio that we don't currently have? Um, I'll use another example. There are, there are many, many F-16s out there on the market. We don't sell too many of them. Um, we sell the ones that we think are good in their given sizes. We've got a 64 and we've got a 70 and, We've got a 90. Um, we don't have a lot of other sizes. We, we, we just, because we don't think that there's enough valid competition, um, in there for that aircraft to really stay, uh, to, to really state its, its place. You sort of have to earn your place in the portfolio. Um, it may sound weird because I know 
people may think, well, wouldn't a hobby company just want to sell every single possible thing that they can? Because if you sell it, then that's a sale. Um, we're weird and we like being different in that regard. And that, that isn't our priority. Our priority isn't to sell every single thing. Our, our priority is to curate a list of products that we can stand behind that we have individually tested and that meets again, a wide array of criteria, some of which is public and obvious and some of which frankly is proprietary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so on that note, when you do, when a plane meets your criteria and is brought into the fold, do you have like a, uh, you know, a time span that you say we will require, like when you talk to your supplier and, and make that contract, do you say I need parts for this aircraft for X amount of years? Um, I can say that yes. When we work with our with our premier partners, there is the understanding that, I mean, when we talk guys about tooling costs, media mm. costs, uh, inventories, you go bigger, you go home. You're not going to buy five of something, um, <laughs> and and hope you sell them in a year. That it, it, you sell, you send one to the magazine, uh, you send one to the video guy, and you've got three on the shelf, and you're going to yeah. make twenty bucks profit like come on it, you have to you have to do your homework i think wise growth is something we've we try <laughs> not always perfect at but it's something we try to be very conscious about we want to grow correctly we want to grow wisely uh, we don't want to overextend our ability to serve customers we don't want to overextend our ability to to deliver and service the products um a good example in in the past couple of years is we made a deliberate effort and and it's it's in the contract that says when we order the airplane the parts are in the same shipment period yeah yeah um i don't care if everyone really wants that new jet or that new warbird and you can send a bunch to me right now and you can send me the parts later no i'm gonna wait till the parts um if it's like a 3d part upgrade we're trying to get that to, to jive and be at the same time but the core parts the wings uh, the retracts, those types of things need to be available at launch. Again, it's, it seems obvious, but it's taken us time uh, to learn that and to receive that feedback from our customer family saying, we would really, really prefer that aircraft came a month later if it arrived with all the stuff that I'm going to want to support it. Like um, props. Like <laughs> props. Exactly. Yeah. If, if props, ironically, like it makes sense. Props and, and strangely enough, um, like horizontal stabs, those uh -huh. are, Spare <laughs> parts demands. Props make sense, right? But I think I think a lot of us. I've done it a few times. A lot of us are are killing a horizontal stabs trying to fit an aircraft into the door. You know, we've mm. all done it, right? Oh, yeah. it and like, gosh. Yep. So it it comes back to back to, again to Chris and, and the group's sort of general question of why do we why do we sell what we sell? It isn't. It shouldn't. I'll, I'll say I hope people don't look at it from the angle of why don't they sell this specific thing, but more try to understand why we're selling what we are selling. Um, we try to be able to communicate why, why it is that we're selling that aircraft. Um, now some of the aircraft on the portfolio and some of the products in the portfolio are obviously tiered for different customers. Um, that aircraft isn't the most expensive, isn't the best on the market, but for someone who wants it at sub $150 T28, and that's, that Dynam aircraft is pretty nice. Um, we don't sell every FPV camera on the market, but but run cams with the diversity of, of, 
of offerings that they have, we feel that most of our customers can find something that in that mix that they like. Um, and on the, on the manufacturer supplier side, they have the warranty and all those other requirements that we as a vendor really need to, uh, really need to, to stay on top of. I'll say one last thing about that topic, by the way, because it, it, it should be, it, sh- it can't be overstated. We envision a world where hobby stores, when, when Mark and Tom first created Motion RC, we envision a world where, where hobby stores, hobby outlets, sources for anything RC hobby, um, that those are the people who go to bat for the customer at the manufacturer level. Uh, we've, I've been able to meet with a lot of factories, over 60 in fact here, and you would be amazed at how many never receive feedback from the people selling their goods throughout the world. Um, to us, that's heresy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. We, we want customers to know that we're here going to bat for them, communicating what they want, and trying to drive those changes to have the products that they want at the consistent levels that they want at reasonable prices and all those <laughs> sorts of things. It's actually quite fun, I got to say. And I, I would think, you know, not carrying the planes you, you don't want because uh, they're not meeting the specifications down the road would, would be less headaches for you. It is. Um, and not for us, for, for us, yes, not for us being the priority, but for our customers. Yes. Um, there are a lot of really fun aircraft out in the market. I've had the privilege of flying a lot of them just because it's my job to fly and test. There are a lot of really cool things out there, mm-hmm. but I cannot support them at the mass produced level. Um, and so they're not available from us. Again, they're available elsewhere. And if, if people want to jump into them, you know, we're, we're all big boys and girls here and, and more power to you. Um, but, but that's just not a risk that we really want to take. It's not a position we want to put our customers in. Right. You know. Um, man, the questions are flying in now, Alpha. Uh, another one. Okay, I'll answer shorter. Than that. Um, for me. Dave wanted to know if, say, he just threw out Horizon as an example. Say they had a newer plane come out and you weren't carrying it, and you got enough enough requests for it. Would it be something you would evaluate and maybe carry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we try to be very vocal. Uh, service guys, I keep saying service, mm-hmm. and and I'm probably doing a bad job, but service isn't a one-way thing. It isn't us uh, making things that people want and being able to send them parts if they want it. It's all, it's a two-way street. It's, uh, it's our ears and our attitudes being open, um, which I want to, I want everyone to know that is, that is motion RC. If mm-hmm. you guys have feedback, if you're looking for something in particular, uh, contact us, go to motionrc.com slash support, contact our support team, Engage us at Hobby Squawk, jump on any of the forums, try to find one of our people. There are polls and things that we read from time to time, what people want to see. But but yes, by all means, um, let us know what people want. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into that product. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll say, oh, well, um, maybe we're missing something here. Maybe, or if, if we know, uh, internally that there's a reason why we're not selling that aircraft, but we see that enough people want it, then that, again, it only helps us go to bat for the customer and go back to that manufacturer and say, Hey, if you change this, that, and the other, like if you, if you use metal retracts instead of 
plastic geared retracts. There's a market here. There, there are people who want your products and we can help you bring those products to the fore. And that, that, those are conversations we love having. Um, so yes, by all means, let us know. Um, another question. Uh, a lot of our listeners uh, really like behind the scenes uh, talking with you guys and the developers and, and what goes into making a plane. But another factor that they really like, and I don't know if this is something you guys have thought about or maybe uh, down the road could do. Uh, they like the behind the scenes factory tours where you take a camera in the mm-hmm. factories. You know, obviously it's going to be something that's already been announced, you know, but maybe isn't uh, quite coming out in a week or a couple weeks and get that behind the scenes, you know, in the factory tour showing us how things are made or how they're painted or whatever. And, you know, and shoot it over to James. He could do a little editing and, and they really, really love that. Yeah. deep in depth. Is that something maybe you guys could do down the road or have thought about? Yeah, I think it's a, we're all on the same page. Um, just yesterday, uh, if you go to hobbiesquawk.com in the F4 thread, since we've been talking recently about the new uh, uh, Ghost Gray F4, I uh, someone jumped in there. And again, great example. Customer asked, hey, I'd love to see the CNC prototype. I'd love to see sort of what went on in making this F4, I love mine. And mm-hmm. I have the time, and I'm not always able to, to jump on forums with VPNs and things being in Asia, but uh, but I had the time, so I jumped in and I put probably, your li- listeners are curious, there's like eight or nine pictures in there uh-huh. that show the step-by-step of that F4, from uh-huh. prototype to discussing a little bit of some of the challenges that we, that we encountered with that aircraft and some of the tweaks made to overcome them. Um, a little peek at sort of the design stage and drafting on what we do internally to optimize the ducting of that, that specific model. And then, and then that, that progression from a CNC prototype into molding and then into the finished product. So uh, do we have a sort of a a video walkthrough? No. Mm -hmm. Um, Will we make one? We're, we're actually thinking about it. It has to be, edited because obviously yes hobbyists aren't the well-meaning hobbyists aren't the only people watching these things right <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but for now if people are curious i would say jump to the hobby squad thread and there's pictures in there people are already talking about them saying wow i didn't realize um that that's what these things look like i didn't realize you you write in Sharpies all over these cnc <laughs> models uh <laughs> you know change right. this and move this bar here and this, yeah. this is the angle of, of, of we're going to eat for this. And then this, all of those sorts of things, we, we write directly on that prototype, um, which is sort of fun. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't even recognize that um, when you're, when you're developing a foam aircraft, it's very different from say a, a, a balsa or a fiberglass aircraft where we CNC cut these prototypes and we fly them and tweak them and fly them again. And then we make the mold because again, the mold cost is, I mean, the development cost of these aircraft run into six figures. So, so you can't just start cutting molds left and right until you know that that prototype flies well. So, so that part of that sort of discovery, um, is it's on page 130 of, of the F word right now. Yeah, I posted the <laughs> uh, link. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Yep. We got a yeah. link up there for if anybody wants to check that cool. out. Um, Another big question that's popping up here, uh, it seems to be a hot topic around the whole RC community, is tariffs here uh, in the States. 
Has that affected you guys uh, yet? Era. Is it going to affect the prices? Everybody's really, you know, curious of what's going to happen with these uh, tariffs. Yeah. So the what I can say is we like um, we like everyone else. I think in the world, we're closely watching the evolution of the trade war. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone really does. We can say that to date, it doesn't appear that any of the major um, components are on our, uh, we're not any uh, on, on any of those lists. Mm-hmm. You watch CNN and see it's 200 billion here and it's, and it's, it's tit for tat. Um, so far, it doesn't look like it. What, um, all I can say at this point to, 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 to everyone out there is we very, very aggressively, uh, work to control pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that, that seems to erode margins to zero, um, <laughs> uh, time and again. But, um, but yeah, at, at the very last resort, do prices rise on the customer side? I don't mm-hmm. think that's u- unique to motion RC. That's, that's, that's everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that, that's Macy's and us steel. Everyone's trying to keep, their prices um, under wraps. Uh, so far, it looks like we're okay. Um, you know, I won't get into any sort of political things. I just, I just hope that everyone just sort of chills out. <laughs> right, right, um, right. What I, what I can, what, what listeners on the uh, in the states may be interested to hear is that in Asia, being being an American living in Asia, it is interesting to see on the supply side. People need to realize that every iPhone, every Every gosh, 80% of the batteries in any electric device in the world, certainly 80% of the RC hobby made in Asia is all made within two hours of where I'm sitting. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> Shenzhen, Guangdong, Hong Kong. I mean, Google any major consumer electronics and mm-hmm. phone in your pocket, um, your laptops, a lot of those components. When people think electronics are made in China, they're talking about the city I'm in. Wow. Um, and I say that so that maybe viewers can sort of imagine, imagine in, imagine a place the size of California <laughs> with the population of half the United States, oh my um, the vast majority of which are all making, um, products that all of us use, um, without getting into something super nebulous. My point is, is that um, these supply chains, the guy who makes our aluminum retracts, for example, obviously he doesn't just make retracts. Yeah. He makes, he makes aluminum parts for, for locking mechanisms and he makes little aluminum aerials for antennas for UHF radios. I mean, mm. these people make things that go in everything. Ah. Um, the importance, I, I think there's really no point to all this except for maybe a, an observational lesson for viewers and that all of these supply chains are interconnected. Um, and the uncertainty, I think on both sides, on, on all sides worldwide, uncertainty is, is a difficult thing to control because you can't predict it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, if one day tomorrow, my, my aluminum guy, for example, says you're a quarter of a percent of my business and my mm-hmm. vendor who is 80 of my business just just chopped his orders in half 
So I'm going to need to increase prices to keep my workers working. Um, everyone is affected. And the uncertainty that people see here, we see that. Um, it hasn't affected prices um, or any of that thus far. But I, I say all this just so customers can understand that we're, we're on it. <laughs> we're, we're paying attention. Um, we're doing our best to be ahead of things that, frankly, no one can truly control. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the, if the number, I think the customer's only real concern is the number on that website, if that 99 goes up to a zero, zero, um, or that yeah. begins to trickle up, customers should be assured that that's the absolute last resort. Mm. Um, yeah. That, that brings up a question popped in my head when you were talking about, like, say, the, the manufacturer that does um, the gear or the oleo struts or whatever that makes all kinds of parts and pieces for other things. If they're producing a part for you, maybe it's a test piece, and you go back to them and say, you know, we need to change this or do this or we're not happy with this. Does it come to a point where they're such a big company that they're like, you know what, we're not doing that? forget you. I got too many other customers and we're doing too much business with, with this or the radio parts. Forget you. Do you ever have that problem or run into that to where they don't want to do or try to fix something that you don't like? We're, we're lucky in that these days, um, they won't say forget you. Uh, but, but we are sidelined. I mean, you are constantly jockeying, um, it's part of me that doesn't want to get too deep into this because frankly, I think it might bore listeners, but if for anyone who's actually, if you guys really want to know, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes behind the products that, that we fly. Mm-hmm. When you open the box, it's not uh, to, to, I don't want to be crude, but it's not just a handful of, of non-Americans throwing together something in 10 minutes and, and putting it on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. There are thousands of people engaged in the creation of these products that, that F4, as I mentioned in Hobby Squawk yesterday, it, it has over 650 parts from 10 different suppliers and over wow. 10 different materials. Like it's not foam, it's foam, carbon, plywood, brass, yeah. nylon, CP, uh, I mean, APPE, LDPE, aluminum, rubber. Like there's so many suppliers. Um, and we're the, we're the small fish in all of them. There is really no one unless you get to DJI levels where mm-hmm. you own the fact it makes all that stuff. So, so yes, um, part of my job in controlling customer in controlling costs to customers while still pushing the innovation front is making sure that all of the developmental costs stay at a certain level that comes down to efficiencies in design. Um, we try not to make, we try to learn from our mistakes so we don't repeat them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I know that the gauge of that spring needs to be that type of steel for a given rebound figure. And so the next time I make a similar aircraft, I don't order the wrong one. So I need to, so I'm in the position asking someone to fast track an order, which is going to cost twice as much. We try to avoid those mistakes, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why if people are keeping track. It's, it's why, five years into the 80 millimeter series, we're still able to offer, we're actually now in the L39 able to offer an aircraft that's as big as the 90 millimeter F16 with all the same bells and whistles nearly for 25% less. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like 
how in fact, like what has reduced in price in the past five years? Mm-hmm. What has reduced by 25%? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we've been able to do that. Now, I can't guarantee tomorrow, but I can guarantee you that tomorrow morning I'll wake up and fight the same fight. It's just something that we know we have to do. Um, it's one of those unseen things customers don't, they never really see, which they shouldn't be bored with. But um, but I think they recognize it in the products they receive at the price that they're receiving them at. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good question came in here from Dave. Uh, something I've thought about before, but never asked a question. When a, when a model goes out of production, and, and again, I'm going to throw Horizon in, in as an example. They had a lot of good models we really liked, you know, eight, ten years ago that went away, went out of production, and we complained and complained. They actually, one big example is the F4F Wildcat. They brought it back. But with the molds and everything, what do most of the manufacturers do with the molds? They just put them on a shelf. Do they sit there? Obviously, Horizon kept them and they brought the F4F back. Or, or do some of them get destroyed so they can't get in the hands of other people or manufacturers? How does that work with, you know, all of the molds and stuff? Uh, it varies. Um, um, is the guy asking, is that bulk pilot? If you just ask the same question in Hobby Squad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to type in right now. Hi, Bob. I'm answering that question right now on RC after hours. Um, it varies. Uh, some manufacturers, some manufacturers will, I think I read somewhere that the rumor is people will melt down the molds necessarily correct. Um, they may repurpose them somehow. It, it really depends. There's, there's a, there's an, I'll, I'll call it a secondary market for some of these molds. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll be picked up by another uh, manufacturer that continues to produce them. Um, molds also naturally degrade over time. Yes. Um, and at, at which point any manufacturer, every manufacturer needs to make a decision. Is it e- economical to make a new one? Mm. Um, it's just hard to talk about stuff like this because for competitive reasons, we, Horizon, I mean, Hobbyco, notice no one ever really says the price of these molds. Right. Um, I think it would, but suffice to say it would shock you. Think of a number. Yeah. Times uh, it by 10. Right. Um, I've it, heard, it, it's heard massive. tens of tens of thousands of dollars is what I've no, heard. No, it's, no, it's six figures when you're, oh, when you're my all gosh. in for, for like a large aircraft, uh-huh. kind of the development and the prototyping process. Um, you're you're really up there. The molds. Wow. Talk about molds on even medium-sized aircraft. You have a plastic mold. You have foam molds. Um, you have if, if there's a clear canopy on it, that's that's another type of mold. Um, it's it, it's just another kind of of puck, I should say. So all of those costs, like the material costs to create what what this hobby produces, is not cheap. Um, it's, it's, it's just not. So one thing that we try to do at motion RC a lot is coming back to talking about competition. As Stuart rightfully said, we, we love to say, if you like it, buy it and fly it. If it's from us, great. If it's not, that's fine too. But buy what you like, fly what you like. Because the key thing is as a hobby, we're all in the same boat, the customer, uh, the vendor, the manufacturer, everyone's in the same boat. If um, there's going to be some variation, sometimes what someone's making is going to be more popular than the other. And sometimes that's going to invert itself. 
But in general, on average, as the boat increases or as, as that as the water rises, we all rise. Um, it comes down to if if manufacturers are doing their due diligence to develop a good product, uh, good as in reliable, not going to fall apart, not dangerous, um, that in their honest assessment, people will want, then the opportunity is for the customers to buy it. Because if mm-hmm. you don't, manufacturers will go out of business. <laughs> just, right. just math. Um, you know, if you don't like that, that new airplane from that manufacturer, that's fine. But still maybe share the link to someone that you know who might like it. Because if, if we all only bought what we wanted to buy and never shared or discussed or talked about the things that we didn't want to buy, then the communication back to the manufacturers break down. And, and increasingly we see this disconnect between what people want, what is being made, and then what people are actually buying. Um, so the sort of shared responsibility on all sides. We think that, that the best way to feed all that is, is fair competition and volume. Mm-hmm. People just, if anyone out there wants to make a hobby uh, product, make it the best you can and, and go for it. I, I'll, I'll put a good example out there. Um, our friends, uh, John, Air John and the RC Geek, uh, they, they created, they put their heads together and created what's called the center burner. It's a, it's an LED, an array of LEDs with a, with a 7.4 volt driver that basically simulates an afterburner. You, you oh, can, wow. It, it's awesome. really cool. If you go to the RC Geek, uh, com or, or jethanger.com, you can check it out. They sell these these variations of 3D printed mounts where you can put it on freewing EDFs or really any sort of EDF uh, in various sizes. And there you go. Your aircraft has a, a really, really neat afterburner effect. It sort of, it gets brighter as you power up and it's realistic. Now, it's not cheap because it's it was homegrown and is made in the US of A in mm-hmm. Southern California. Mm-hmm. But but as much as we can, we point to people like that or to people like Cali Graphics, and we say, these are the people who are driving, and eh, they're not driving the boat in that metaphor. They're, they're, they're displacing that boat to give us the lift. They're the ones who are keeping us afloat. Um, and if we don't support those cottage industries, then it's, it's, it's just difficult for anyone to see a way forward as to how we can communally grow this hobby. Right. Well said, well said. Yeah. Uh, people uh, listening here on Facebook live, it is, uh, Mike Cloons here did not have any coffee this morning. So that's why he's looking the way he does. It's his fault. But anyway, um, I want, I want, I wanted to back up a little bit alpha. Uh, here's something I had wrote down when we were actually talking about the L 39 and I didn't get a chance, but if I remember correctly and I could be totally wrong on this, I, I can't remember the exact conversation, but I know we were talking about, uh, EDF fans and number of blades and this and that. And I, I think, a while back we were talking about some 12 blade fans but we you know you weren't putting them on a lot of planes because of the performance but a lot of people like them because of the sound but i noticed here lately a lot not only you guys but a lot of other manufacturers are now moving to the 12 blade fan 
Is it something that you guys found in blade design or some, you know, working with a different motor with RPM range or whatever? But why now is everything seem to be switching over to the 12 blade fan? Or is it, am I losing my mind and way uh, off here? Uh, you're not. You're not losing your mind yet. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say in general, um, we still stick to the adage that you design, you want the right product, the right piece of equipment for for the mission, um, right material for the mission. If that aircraft is best suited with a nine blade versus a twelve, then you go nine. Uh, uh-huh. If if you can do the twelve, recognizing that there's some there's some desire for it for various reasons uh, that that doesn't deleteriously affect. Uh, your intended goal of that specific aircraft, then you go 12. Uh, for a lot of our smaller aircraft, they still remain five and six blades just because of efficiency with the smaller uh, diameter fans. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, we see people wanting to go 12. I think a good comparative example across the spectrum is our 64 millimeter, our cheap and cheerful Boss 3S jets, uh, our, our, our car scale jets from Freewing. Mm-hmm. Those are 64 millimeter five blades. Um, there are people who put 12 blades in there and more power to them, but the, the mission for that PNP hundred dollar, very efficient aircraft dovetails with, with that, with that fan. Now on the other side of the spectrum, the recent F4, there was maybe a maybe initial concern that we were going to a nine blade. Um, and then after that initial sort of hesitation, it turned out to be it's our EDF of the year by far. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think there's that balance where initially we, we make, we make an informed, we make an, an informed judgment. It's a bit of a guess. And from then it's on to the customer to, to show if we are right or we are wrong. Um, so far, it seems to be pretty copacetic, but there's still there still is uh, instances of nine blades. There's still going to be sixes. We are going to have some coming out with the twelve. The L thirty nine is a twelve for a good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought that its power system uh, in the in the Avanti it translated well into that airframe, so we went there, and uh, it, it flies the nine even better, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But again, we recognize that some people like the twelve and with the uh, with the inload on the bottom, we get a we get a bit of a sound perk. I'll call it with um, uh, with the twelve blade, right. and because the way the airframe is designed, again, all of this stuff is supposed to work in concert. Nothing is designed in a vacuum. The way the aircraft is designed, we can take the penalty from from choppier choppier air, um, which gives us a more whooshy sound, you can call it. Um, the aircraft can take that penalty and still be a uh, 105 mile an hour aircraft. Um, so now if I, I will say that if in testing as a great example, the L 39 uh, sounded better with the 12 blade, but it turned out it was a 95 mile an hour airplane mm-hmm. or its consumption was such that it could only fly two and a half minutes. Yeah. Then I definitely would have put the nine blade in it. You know, um, it, we do not go into, we don't go into developing an aircraft with any hard, um, hard decisions as to what a power system must be. While we design an aircraft around the size of an EDF and, and our understanding of, 
of the plenum and how the airflow is going to work, we leave sort of the KV and all those other things to what the aircraft tells us. And that's where, again, the prototyping phase in CNC is so important. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to what the airplane is doing. I'm a math guy, can't tell. Like, I, I love the numbers and, and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, it's how the aircraft actually flies. Um, and then from there, you have to be willing to go back to the drawing board and make some changes. Now, that said, the last, the last uh, kink we throw in this, in, this, um, in this big pie is, is standardization, um, which comes back to service. I don't think customers would want to have, for all 30 EDFs on the website, there's 30 different uh, EDFs yeah. and 30 different motors, right? Okay. So we, we do try to drive the initial, the first 580 millimeters were all the same EDF. Um, only recently have we really begun to sort of uh, re-standardize on a, on a newer EDF. Uh, these are the, the A4 is EDF, uh, which went to then the Avanti and now to the L39. So we're tr- we try to keep standardization is a balance, is an element you want to balance in with how the aircraft is telling you it wants to be flown at one and what it wants to be flown with um, in balance with, again, the aircraft layout itself, its size, your cost goals and those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. um, I think in all of my rambling over the past year, you should probably count how many times I say service and balance. <laughs> um, those are really the two things on the customer facing side, our concern yeah. is service. Right. On the development-facing side, our, our priority is balance. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of balance, uh, you know, we're always talking about trying to get uh, people into, you know, EDS. There was a lot of conversation. Uh, Andre kind of all of a sudden jumped headfirst into the, into the EDF world here. Uh, and, of course, everybody knows by now you guys have brought out the uh, small park flyer EDF belly lander jets that we just – absolutely love uh, we've talked to a lot of other people that are uh you know love them uh, i've spread the word we're you know trying to get it out there so i'm curious to know i know you have the big fan base of the big you know 80 90 millimeter warbirds and you know uh but i'm i'm curious to know now that we have some time how are the belly landers doing is it something you're like wow this is pretty good you know maybe we need to to look at some uh, other designs coming down the road or you know is it something that you guys are happy with yeah we're going to be expanding the series um it it went to i think i remember we were talking about this uh last year when we first announced these, there's sort of the initial concern from the people who love us from our big scale jets. Uh, is motion just going to make the small stuff now? Um, the answer again <laughs> is we're going to, we're going to make everything. I mean, there's no, 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 the, the, the game's over. No more um, success. So yeah. <laughs> just going three yeah. S. Sorry guys. Let's canceling that F4. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, and, and it's the fun part of the, of interfacing with our customers, which again is us. We are our customer. They're our friends, they're our families. We think we have a pretty good um, line of communication with what they want. It's that guys, we're gonna, our goal is to make everything that flies and to make everything fly well. Sometimes that means we're gonna make a trainer. I talked about this in Hobby Squawk earlier this morning. Sometimes it means we're gonna make a trainer. 
Now you may not be in a market for a trainer, yeah. but which someone is okay. Is. But someone is. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe instead of saying, "Why the hell would you make a trainer?" Maybe just forward the link to someone who you know wants to get, learn how to fly. Sometimes we're going to make that big jet, and you're going to want. Well, I just want that ninety-nine dollar cheap and cheerful uh, hand tosser. Yeah. To which we say, "There's something for you coming as well." Um, we we cannot make everything all at once. Right. But I, if people were to study our pattern over the past five years, as I know some of our customers have, we stick to a pretty, pretty tried and true formula of different sizes in a given 12 to 18 month period, different sizes, uh, different price points, different sort of levels of popularity or, 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 um, awareness out in the market. We'll throw a P15 lipish out in there, which most people had no idea even existed and turned out to be a, huge, hugely popular aircraft. Yes. Um, we'll throw in those curveballs from time to time and then we'll do the standards like an F4, you know, that'll come out of nowhere without people expecting it. Mm -hmm. There's again, that balance between trying to keep everyone happy while at the same time, um, this is very important while at the same time trying to promote that message that this hobby shouldn't be about what's next. It shouldn't be just about what, might be coming. Um, we all have aircraft in our hangars. We can go fly now. Uh, there's, you know, we can go, we can go crash at any airplane we want right now and have all doing it. Um, the enjoyment of the hobby, I should say, shouldn't be predicated on what the hobby will give to us later. Um, I, I, uh, there's, a, there's sort of an emerging message here at Motion RC where we really feel strongly that people can enjoy what they have now. We're selling a lot of products right now. Mm-hmm. Any hobby store on the website right now, on, on the internet right now, in any country you're in, anything that says in stock, whether it's our company or anyone else, buy that. Um, you support your local hobby store over there and go, go there this weekend, go buy some carbon rods. I mean, or buy some balls or do something. Um, but participate in the hobby and what's available now. Um, what will come will come. Uh, there's this really long thread on squawk right now about project foil, which is one of the many projects we continually have in development. I don't know why, but for some reason that specific project really, people really latched on to it. Um, and have been really excitedly sort of saying what they think it's going to be. And we've put out some, some hints and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but increasingly, while that's all fun and, and games, we also want to let people know, Hey, there's a good chance that that, that, that one aircraft that's coming out, it's not going to please all 10,000 of y'all or all (laughs) darn it. Come on, come on off. You're slipping. (laughs) <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so, um, so we want to, we don't want to be the salesman saying, yeah, just wait for this wonderful thing. You know, this is, this is going to be great. We just want to say we're doing our best to make what we can that meets again, the requirements I've talked about when they're ready, they're ready. In the meantime, let's all just go fly something. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I have one big question I want you to uh, talk about a little bit. Uh, I can't remember if it was the last show we had you on or maybe a couple before that. Uh, we had a big discussion about um, bigger military aircraft like C-130s, 
um, some yeah. uh, commercial jetliners, you know, that, and, and, you know, you really got into some detailed information on, you know, why you're not really doing those or the reasons or they're not flying good or whatever. So I'm very curious to know, Alpha, uh, when Hobby King released the C-130, I mean, we're all, <laughs> I mean, ecstatic for this airplane. I, it was, I, I think, a shock to everybody that they brought this out. And so far, just from uh, talking from Steve from Hobby King and seeing some videos and pictures of this, uh, looks very well done. Uh, looks like it flies great. So I'm very interested in your opinion in this plane does it change things for you guys? And now maybe you're looking more into that side or, uh, or, uh, to be competitive. Uh, yeah. Or that. something. Are you looking more into it yeah. now that that has come to the table? Um, good question. I would say, I would say no. Um, there's a difference between, I think being competitive and being iterative. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't jump in to make uh, it's a 1.6 meter bird. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think I think the Fat Albert livery looks gorgeous on that aircraft. And, mm-hmm. and again, we applaud them for making it. I yep. hope it does really well. I hope they can deliver it um, on time, as they've said, and that uh-huh. everyone who one gets one and that they love it. I mean, more power to them. More power for the hobby. Yeah, that's all great. Probably not going to hear a lot of hey, business people say that, but I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's great for us though it doesn't really change our um it doesn't change our assessments of certain parts of market data and again there have been so many other factors behind the scenes doesn't change what what we're going to be making for the reasons we're going to be making Mm -hmm. now does that mean that we're not working on on another at 1.6 i wouldn't consider it big since they have a 1.75 b17 and we have the two meter b24 but yes you know uh, I'm not saying we're not working on a two meter C-130. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that whether we were or we weren't, or if it was a caribou or, or, or a Buffalo constellation or anything else <laughs> like that, it, if we were, it wouldn't be because we're trying to uh, react to what other people are out there making. Uh-huh. Um, there was a time when some of our factory partners in all candor were, we're very reactive. We're iterative because they made that we should make this mm-hmm. uh, because the wildcat uh, uh, hand tosser was so popular in 2012. We should, we should make one in 2015 mm-hmm. or whatever, the, whatever the conversations could have been. It, those conversations didn't happen. We, we try. Uh, and these days I'm, I'm actually quite proud to say that, we're able to trust our data, trust our customer feedback, engage our customers one-to-one. We have a lot of customers with whom we correspond directly <laughs> and, and people like Tony Accurso and his daughter Evelyn, people who, who are the voices of their hobby in their regions, people like George Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try to, we're confident in the data that we have and we're confident in the decisions that we make based on that data. Um, now if it turned out that my data suggested we should make a 90 millimeter F4 and we did, and someone else's data suggested that they made a 90 millimeter F4 and they did at the same time, then, you know, I can't really get mad about that. Right. 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 Um, 
So, so in that sense, we try to, the short answer is we, we try to not worry about what anyone else is doing. Um, the only thing that I worry about, and to be fair, I, I think the good people at Hobby King and anywhere else believe this too. The only thing I really uh, worry about or, or, or care about, um, listen for, I'll say, as a modeler is, is the product good? Yes. I don't care if it's, I don't care what price it is. I don't care if it's the same color as something we did. Uh, I don't care if it's bigger or better or faster or more expensive or cheaper or any of those things. What it is versus what is on our portfolio, frankly, mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to us. All we care about is, is it a, is it a good C-130? If it's good, fantastic. Yeah, yeah um, right. And we, we need to hold ourselves to that same standard as well, you know? Is it a good F4? If it was a bad F4, I didn't do my job. Right. Um, you know, I, I failed my customers. Um, I think I, I, I wonder, wonder how the hobby would be shaped if really that was the primary concern of, of, of the, of the consumer modeler. Yeah. Is it good? There's no brand loyalty. Brand loyalty is not durable. Is the product good? Uh, you guys had FlexJet on a few months ago, right? Yes. Yeah. So, to me, that aircraft, I love how it flies. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that that aircraft flies really great. To me, that's a good, fine airplane. Um, that Motion RC doesn't sell it or had zero involvement in it, or that I, I heard someone say, are you afraid that that's taken sales from the Avanti? We can earnestly say no, no. We applaud that team. It's difficult to make a sport jet that flies that well. Um, we applaud them for doing it. And we hope that, again, people who want that aircraft buy it. Um, we all win. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, all right. I, I guess, Alpha, uh, my question, uh, you did answer uh, another aspect of my question, but were you, uh, I mean, you have a lot of inside uh, knowledge and you might have even heard the rumors when the plane was being developed or whatever but were you a little bit surprised that they brought out something like that um in our assessment our assessments didn't match i'll say that mm-hmm. um they didn't match now that isn't to say that again no one's right or wrong in this. The customer will decide. Uh-huh. But our, our assessments uh, didn't match. And I'm already on record from, uh, I think that was two two podcasts ago. I so think you're right, yeah. Several months ago. Yeah, we were talking, um, it was in May, as I recall, and we're talking about like the landing gear on the C-130. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. so, so, so I'm not going to backtrack from what I said there. My assessment would have been different, probably would have gone bigger. But again, mm-hmm. um, as a fellow developer, I have no critique for anyone who can bring a product to market because I understand what that takes. I, I know, and, and seen those pictures and, and seen it fly, I know what they went through to make that aircraft. I, I know what they did to make it function as it does um, right. at the target price point that they're gonna that they're gonna do, and that's a feat. I mean, for for your listeners, this is not easy stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> it, it's a feat to have done that, and um, we, we sincerely wish sincerely wish them the best. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
yeah, I, I just, there's no criticism for me. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to applaud that your earlier statements about like releasing products and stuff that you, it seems that you, uh, you hold off to every, all the checks are done mm-hmm. before even announcing things. I mean, I, I applaud that a lot because it just creates frustration when things are leaked out way early mm, and it yeah. just creates frustration. Like when, when can we get this stuff? Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's kind of reminds me of like the sales guy, you know, selling something that doesn't even exist. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, there's nothing more frustrating than that yeah. as a consumer, I think. So yeah, if, you, if you hold to, to that. find a balance with that. Yes. Thank you. We, we, we've, we haven't always, but we've, we have, as you notice, we have tried to stick to that. And again, that's come as a reaction to our customers' feedback. Um, there's, a, again, a balance, there's that word again, with the 90 millimeter F-16, just turning six years old soon. With that aircraft, that was sort of leaked, unfortunately, almost 10 months, I want to say, before it was actually ready. So at the time, we didn't really want to leak it that long, uh, that long ahead, but we mm-hmm. tried to make most of it. We tried, well, now that you know about it, guys, what would you like to see in this aircraft? And we mm-hmm. tried to implement those things as best we could. Sure. Um, far more recent, uh, recently and far more consistently, I'd say four years, we try to not talk about anything until it's wet, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say until it's shipped. Yeah. Um, it, there's in four months, we'll look at this conversation and, and chuckle, but, but it, we wait because we have learned the value of waiting. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we, there's lots of products on the website you can buy today. What will come will come when it comes. Um, there is no sort of rush. I, I don't feel, I think it's a luxury, again, given to us by our customers who are so great at supporting us. It's a luxury that we're not in the position where I have to release this airplane right now or else next month we're toast. Yeah. Um, well, that's, we're not that's in, kind we're, of pointing to the fact that you're lucky. unique and you do your own thing. You don't always try to copycat or react either. So that gives you that time, I think, to your point. On releasing yeah, it, things, it, it's it's uh, we've learned that it's we've learned that it's important, and I think any customer listening is is nodding their head, saying, "Yeah, you're right. I would rather I would rather know about it when it's ready." Now that being said, there is a balance, and sometimes um, sometimes we'll say, "Hey, by the way, here's a new aircraft. It's in stock. Surprise! We did it with the P15." Um, <clears throat> sometimes lo- bigger aircraft, there is a value in letting people know, "Hey." Um, pre-orders open, mm-hmm. it's in, in like a week. So that gives you sort of six weeks to plan, save, um, yeah. assess if you want it or not and, and make the purchase. So we have people saying, if it's bigger, let us know longer sure. ahead of the time and it's cheaper. So there's that balance. We try to keep those, those communication lines open, but yeah, you're absolutely right. In general, I think people, I'm, I'm a hobby guy too. I pay full price for my stuff. I think, None of us want to feel like we're being sold something that doesn't exist or that we're being, or that our expectations are being set higher than they should be. One of my adages is the key to happiness is managed expectations. You know, you, you undersell, you over deliver, not the other way around. It's Mm -hmm. just a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and uh, to to be fair, I think a lot of the hobby over the past couple of years has has begun to do that, has begun to sort of, we've all sort of changed and tried to minimize the hype and let the product stand for itself. I think the more often 
I think the products that do that more ultimately are more successful. I, it's probably the social media playing into it too, because you just end up you just end up answering the same question over <laughs> and over and over. Yeah, you're right, yeah. and we get it too because everybody knows. Well, yeah. you know, these guys have access to the to to the people in the know, so right. the questions, you know. So yeah, you know, like I said, I we're gonna make a T-shirt that just says soon. soon. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, it's it's a it's a good problem to have, right? No one here oh, is complaining that people are clamoring to know what's coming down the yes. pipe. That's great. Yep. And it's a hobby. That's the funniest thing I think. Uh, and and I, I have to say, I was when I first started out in the hobby, I was the exact same way. You sit there and your yes. order's missing in the mail and you're yes. freaking out. And then I think about a year, ooh, let's say three years, four years in, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it, it will get here when it get here. Mm-hmm. Um but everybody, you know, and I guess that's that's why we work so darn hard is because it's a hobby and this is our this is our outlet. So yeah, you know, yeah. So, but it's 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 still awesome to see people passionate about that new airplane and sweating it out, going, yes. Ooh, you know, yes. do I want the L thirty nine or do I uh, want the six two six? And you know, it's yeah. uh, or two six two. Two six. <laughs> I think it's a good place for everyone to be in. I mean that. Um, that people are, are, are going to be mulling soon. Do I get that? Do I get that 1600 millimeter C one thirty? Do I get that 2000 millimeter B 24, whichever one you choose, those are two options you didn't have a year ago in this. Hobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, congrats for the hobby and hooray for everyone that these are options. I think that's what something that is very indicative in our portfolio. We try to push, um, you have to have the standards every now and again. You've got to have the, the Falcon and the Mustang and whatnot. But we try to we try to push the envelope and and say, hey, have you ever heard of a Lippish? <laughs> Maybe you'd like one. Let's try to give people um, options. Now, some of those options, most people have said no. They said, yeah, I really don't want that one. Um, but again, that comes back to our our some of our our core principles in that. We want to get different options, different aircraft out there to choose from. Whether they choose ours at the end of the day is is less of our concern. I think the entire hobby is helped, again, by competition variety um, with the only unifying factor being everything is good, well-serviced, and available. And that's a level playing field. Okay, okay, Alpha. I know we've had you on here for a couple hours. I got one last question for you. Um I don't think I've a- <laughs> I don't think I've asked this before, but it popped in my head since we were talking about you know other um, competition, and everything. You know, I was highly involved in the motorcycle industry, and it happens in everything, whether it's cars or motorcycles or whatever. But I know a company would come out with a new motorcycle, and another manufacturer would instantly go out, purchase that motorcycle, take it back to their shop tear it down to the bare bones and inspect every little piece and, and measure everything, you know? So I'm curious to know how often do you guys, if any, uh, pick up some competitor planes and fly them and check them out and see how they're built and manufactured and stuff like that. Does that happen much? Um, (laughs) in China, not a lot, to be honest. It's difficult to get, it's difficult. One, it's difficult to get, uh, like the range of hobby products. There's just a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it is my job to 
to know what's in the market. And mm-hmm. so I make an effort to fly everything mm-hmm. uh, with a capital E, capital <laughs> E, V, R, T, I mean, just, I, I try to fly everything. I'm not always able to, right. but I try to fly everything. Now, how much are we flying to try and uh, uh, incorporate into, into our airplanes? Honestly, like zero. I mean, we don't have access to these aircraft uh, the, I'm not going to be able to fly the C-130 until I can buy one. Sure, right. Deliver it. Like, so, so in that sense, um, not really. Mm-hmm. What I'll say, though, is, is, again, back to the whole customer communication line thing, is um, if customers say, hey, that company does this really well, um, one, I should have already known about that. But two, if we don't, we'll go take a look at one and, and try and understand why it is that it's that people like it to be frank a lot of those things we've either looked at and said mm, it, it would raise the cost mm-hmm. um, or it would um we don't think it meets our mission for breaks are probably a good example um mm, yeah we had that conversation before yeah yeah i mean is it worth it for us to tool up and make our own brakes to, to increase the cost and the, and the weight and landing speed of a few of our jets that might benefit them versus just saying, Hey, those guys make brakes and it's a great option yes. for power. You know, yep. again, I think that speaks a lot to what, how we're not, not in this to take over everyone. If you make a great product and it serves your customers, mm-hmm. great. Um, we are, we always do try to learn, but, I mean, without hard to say this, I mean, we, we try to set the curve mm-hmm. um, and I don't like, it just feels weird to say, but yeah, we're, we're, we're confident uh, that we've got a good record that um, our processes are, are um, our understanding of developing aircraft and uh, the reciprocal nature of incorporating customer feedback into uh into actual aeronautical tools, um, it creates really top edge product, and we try to set the curve. Gotcha. Right, and there we have it, folks. Alpha Enus again joining the show with just amazing uh, answers to every question we throw out there. Uh, I love talking to you, Alpha. It's fantastic. Love having you on the show. Um, you're, we were more than welcome anytime, uh, hit us up and, uh, we'll have you on. And, uh, I think our live audience really enjoys it. We had a ton of questions from, uh, Facebook live today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we will let you go. We have a few other little things we need to talk about before we wrap up the show. But again, thank you very much for coming on, hanging out, uh, and also bringing Stuart on board. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again very soon. I think I'm going to call him Amish yeah. Alpha because he doesn't like pictures. <laughs> Amish Alpha. There we go. <laughs> they don't like their picture yeah. being taken or being right. seen in video. Yeah. Alpha. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. No one knows what I look like. So, uh, so nice to everyone uh, at your field, guys. It might be me. I'm gonna- <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy? You're in a flying he's field. Doing, You're standing yeah. right he, next he to him. He does more secret intel on other products than yeah. we realize. He doesn't show his face. Uh, I've done it. I was oh. in it and I'll say it's fun. <laughs> you have to change your accent then. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be done. No, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it was great. Your yep. listeners, thanks for the questions. Uh, engage us anytime at Hobby Squawk or RC Groups or give us a call. We're going to be at Joe Nall um, mm-hmm. 
James still probably driving there right now. So check us out at Joe Nall and for all the pilots there, drive safely. Hope you guys have a minimum of wind of rain and a maximum <laughs> yes. of sun and barbecue. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Lots of flying. Yep. Lots of flying. See you guys. Okay, Alpha, thank, thank you. Thanks. And there you have it. Alpha Enos joining us on the show. What a fantastic guest interview. Uh, I love talking to Alpha. About the knowledge. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. A um, couple little things. We're going to wrap up the show. We're up on two hours. Mike's got to get to some baseball games. Uh, what we're going to do for you folks, though, I know we skipped out last weekend, and we're going to try to make it up to you. I actually have a list here, Mike. We have tons of other stuff to talk about here uh, on our on our list. <sighs> Um, season starts Saturday. I know, so we're going to... before that? I'm going <laughs> to... They said it. They he said, said it. it. They called it. So we're going to do another show Sunday, whether Mike's here or not. We're going to do another show here for RC After Hours. Uh, we got a lot of stuff here. Uh, we might also have another guest. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, you guys have been really uh, bugging me about... I posted some stickers that we had made up. If you guys haven't seen them here, we did finally, finally... And get a picture shot of it. Make some RC after hours stickers up here. Now these were just a test run, so I, I got very limited supply. I wanted to see how they would turn out, what they look like, and see how you guys liked them and what the reaction was. Uh, if you like them, we'll try to get more. Now the the question is, we were I was talking with uh, Andre. I I don't know how to do it or what to do. Uh, you know, to get these out to you, I'm not going to be licking, you know, a hundred stamps weekly or having the dogs do it and get them out to you. Uh, so let us know what you think of this sticker, if you like it, and we'll try to get some more printed up. I don't know if we can get them on our store or have somebody distribute them out for us. Yeah. We'll um, talk to Chad. Chad we'll, Capper would know. Yeah. We'll talk to Chad Capper and, and a little hint, hint. He could possibly be joining the show uh, soon. He comes. I have to make so, it. So, uh, uh oh, that's a oh, there you go, little Chris. hint. Uh, but we'll figure something out. We, Cause I got video I want to share on him when he's here. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, so we'll see what we can do about the stickers. We definitely want to get them out there. I think they turned out pretty good. So far, the the reaction's been really good. They, Personally, I like, them. like I, them. That's my opinion, but uh, so, I'm a little biased on the matter. Yeah. And real quick, <laughs> bef- yeah. real quick before we get out of here again, uh, please go check out getfpv.com. They're really helping us out, and, that, and you know they're bringing our guests in, and they're making the shows happen. So please go check out getfpv.com. Great daily deals. Go on their website. They got all kinds of stuff on their daily deals. Free shipping on most orders over $60. And also now DHL shipping for all our international listeners. That's fantastic. And once again, they've dropped it down to $100. Go spend $100. Type in the discount code RC After Hours, and you get 10% off your entire order. And we also know that our discount works with other discounts. So if GetFPV is having a sale or, or discount. You can also use the RC After Hours discount. And a couple things I wanted to talk about real quick on some of their pricing, some new products. Uh, obviously, you guys have heard about the Popo motor, which when I first heard Popo, I thought, what a goofy name, but it really stands for Pop On, Pop Off. And that's a new propeller quick swap system from Lumineer that enables mounting props to the brushless drones in seconds because I hate when we crash and we have to change props. That's one of my worst things. Popo eliminates the need for a prop nut and a wrench to attach your 
uh, attach your props to your motors. A full set of four props can be removed and replaced in about 20 seconds. That is fantastic. Provides convenience in the field as well as speed and simplicity under race day pressure. The ability to remove and reattach full set of props is a key feature for drone enthusiasts that are frequently repairing and tuning their drones. Popo prevents cuts and sharp propeller blades since there is no longer a need to hold the motor in the prop firmly while tightening the nut. It also prevents prop slippage, which is a common error for new pilots who have accidentally forgotten to tighten their lock nuts. And Andre's holding up a camera. Uh, Popo is an industry industry innovative and compatible motor and propeller which soon will be available to the world's top brands manufacturers such as t-motor emax and lumineer will soon offer the new popo compatible um motor and also they got a couple uh new antennas out if you want to go check Mm. that out the two lumineer most popular antennas can now be found sharing the same box so if you want a circular polarized and a patch antenna They'll sell you their new set uh, in one entire. And the cool thing is, Mike, I think it's only like $35 or somewhere right around there. So you're getting two antennas, a circular polarized, and a patch antenna for like 35 bucks. That is just crazy. And you're getting the original uh, Axe 2 5.8 gigahertz antenna. And they've made a giant leap in FPV technology in collaboration with renowned FPV antenna designer Hugo of True RC brings you one of the smallest, lightest, best performing FPV antennas in the world. And what's one last thing I wanted to mention, Immersion RC has their new rapid fire with analog plus goggle receiver module, which is more than just a diversity receiver used by advanced arithograms. It takes the best signal from each antenna, blends them into the clearest FPV picture possible compatible with all fat shark goggles with a receiver module bay special pricing right now is 149 dollars all future batches are going to go up to 159.99 the rapid fire technology fuses together the images from two 5.8 gigahertz receiver modules into one beautiful interface free image Tearing and rolling are eliminated, optimized for the use of environments with multi-pathing interference, indoor racing, etc., but with superb sensitivity for long-range use. So go check out Get FPV, throw in our discount code RC After Hours, and spend hundred dollars. And there you have it, Get FPV. And I think that's it for us. What a great show we had here um, this evening, or I should fun. say this morning. I love talking to those guys, bringing Stuart back. And yeah, my phone's not working. Uh, it was great talking to him again and seeing what he's been up. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Isn't it, isn't that goofy? You know, come up with that, but then when you think about it, you know. So there you have it, the RC After Hours show. Thanks everybody for joining us on Facebook Live. We had a good time hanging out with you guys today, answering your questions. You guys had fantastic questions today. I love doing that. So join us next week. I'll be here with Mike or without Mike. I will be here. And we're going to do another show for you, and we'll see what we can uh, come up with. So thanks, everyone. We will talk to you soon. See ya. See you, guys. <laughs>